GPL Podcast, sponsored by Vintage Minnesota Hockey, your exclusive source for throwback Minnesota jerseys. Visit VintageMNHockey.com. Now, here's Hammy, Vigo, and your host, Jupiter. Good evening and welcome to GPL Podcast number 107. Hammy's back with us this week after taking a little sabbatical in Phoenix. How you doing, Hammy? Y'all nice and tan? Uh, pretty good. No, I wasn't there long enough to really tan. So. <laughs> but it was better than here. Although, you know, in the coming days, it is going to be pretty warm. So can't complain too much. Yeah, spring's pretty much here, I think. It's all good. And yeah. yeah, their golf course is opening on Sunday. Wow. Wrecking the, wrecking the grass, aren't they? Can't be good for the yeah. grass. Can't be good for Walking that. only. <laughs> I suppose. Um, well, boys, um, Don Lucia always likes to say that uh, win at home and split on the road and you'll have a successful team. Uh, I'm not sure uh, the split they had this weekend is the way he'd want to do it, but uh, Viggs, I think he'll take the final result. Yeah, I think the team, you know, got into a bit of a run-and-gun situation this weekend where they were, you know, testing their limits a bit too much with Ohio State, such an offensively talented team. And they got bailed out with uh, the power play on Saturday, school record six goals. Uh, Pretty impressive with this uh, year's team. They just, both groups are putting in goals. Well, boy, it it was definitely just a a Jekyll and Hyde weekend, I would say. You know, it was up and down, and, you know, I, I, it didn't bother me so much because in past years when the team gets down, uh, they never came back. They're down 2 nothing. they're down 3 nothing. Uh, Usually in the past five years, that game's over. Um, but even though they lost the Friday night game, they were down 2 nothing in that game. They did take a lead. They came back, ended up losing in the end. And then you have the Saturday game that uh, down 3 nothing, come back and with all those power plays and all those controversial calls, ended up getting the win 6-5. to Hammy, um, not exactly the way they usually do it, but uh, they came back, and that's something we just haven't seen. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because some – you know, you never like to lose, and but some losses you can handle better mm-hmm. than others. But sometimes it's it's really frustrating when you see the team, you know, battle back from a deficit, take the lead, then blow the lead and lose the game in the third. You know, it's like oh, you know, because you, from a fan perspective, it's like you get really excited at the fact that hey, the team came back. You, yep. Sometimes you don't really expect the team to come back from that kind of a deficit, and then uh, when they do it, you're like all right, things are rolling in the right direction, you know, and you feel positive, and then all of a sudden it just, you know, goes down the tubes in a third, and it's like, oh, you know, you get frustrated about that. So, um, but, you know, they did come back on Saturday. Obviously, it was kind of hard to feel optimistic early after, you know, you don't typically win games on the road when you're down 3 nothing. So uh, it was nice to see them come back both nights and at least one of the nights come up with a, a W. Definitely the W is a good thing. And to split on the road against a high-scoring team, I think, is is more of the big-picture look to it. That, uh, that it was a, I think it was a successful weekend. But obviously, Vigo, we can't really uh, get past this weekend without talking about um, that power play. Like you said, six power play goals. But when you score four goals on two um, major penalties, uh, that's a pretty big deal. Uh, let's talk about those major penalties. Uh, first, Mr. Josh Healy, who uh, ended up getting an extra suspension. Um, what are your thoughts on this guy? I mean, uh, you know, we had some discussion earlier this week with, uh, uh, with, uh, oh, geez, I'm, uh, Rick, oh, gosh, Rick Pizzo. Rick, from, Rick yeah. Pizzo, yeah. Yeah, I, sorry, just uh, blanked on we, we were kind of talking with him. He this, he thought the suspension might have been a little rough, but, um I don't know. I I was listening to Nate on his podcast, you know, Gopher State, and um, should there be a cumulative type of effect of these type of calls? I think I was a little surprised to see that he's got four suspensions to his credit so far. 
and he was an all Big Ten defenseman last year. Yeah. And I talked to Lucia a little bit about that today, and he's like, Healy's a quality defenseman. You know, he's a physical, hard defenseman, and that's one of the reasons why Bob McKenzie from TSN said that Healy is probably one of the NCAA's top free agents for NHL teams. You know, he brings some attributes that NHL teams are looking for. Unfortunately for him, Big Ten hockey is trying to take out contact to the head penalties. They're trying to take out checking from behind penalties and protect their players as they should be. Now, these players are getting, you know, scholarships and, you know, some room and board money, uh, but they're not making $5 million like guys in the NHL. So the league needs to protect their players. And I think the Big Ten's a little more progressive than other leagues around the country with how uh, strict they are adding these additional suspensions to players. Uh, clearly the, the major penalties cost Ohio state the game on Saturday. Uh, Minnesota obviously took advantage of it. You know, sometimes you get those five minute majors and you know, the first power play unit tires out and that's it. And they, they can't get any more chances, but the way Minnesota is going now with two units, you know, they put pressure on for the entire five minutes They're, This, this year's team is so good at retrieving pucks on the power play. It just gives them lots and lots of chances. But I think Healy, you know, contact to the head. You know, that's the way the rule is written for Big Ten hockey, and it was enforced properly. It, was it enough, though? Has he learned his it's, lesson? I mean, that's that's kind of what I was getting at. I, I, I mean, it's like you said, it's his fourth suspension in less than two seasons. Um, I, I'm getting the impression that he's not learning his lesson. I mean, well, how I many, I mean, how many, how many he times wasn't, he wasn't exactly taking a run yeah. Romanco on that hit, you know, he was coming down from the blue line and it just kind of happened where there's contact to the head. It's, it's kind of like in college football, there's the targeting penalties. And I think you can tell when it was something where someone's going for a cheap shot versus when someone's trying to make a physical play. And I think that's the situation here with Healy's head. It didn't look like he was taking a run at Romanco going for the head. Um, you could argue that the Joshua hit on Pitlick was almost more deserving of a suspension because there wasn't really much to that play there. Mm-hmm. That's Joshua taking advantage of a smaller player in a, you know, incidental contact situation and taking the most of it. Well, Hammy, I, I was listening to uh, Lou Nanion with Dan Barrero yesterday, and and he thought the the Josh Healy hit on Romanco wasn't even a penalty. Which I found yeah, surprising, because well, <laughs> yeah, you, well, well, you know, well, you know, he is old school, right? I mean, he did play a long time ago. So. I know, but I, uh, I was a little surprised by me. that. Well, I mean, I don't agree with everything he says, so, <laughs> but I, I mean, I, I, I thought it was definitely a penalty. I mean, I suppose, I mean, you know, in today's day and age, anything that's up around the head, I mean, you, you just kind of have to expect that that's going to be called. And I mean, I don't care even what sport it is anymore. I mean, I think I just heard on the radio today, they did some study on soccer players suffering concussions, just as much as like football players or something like that. But I mean, it's just, that's the way it is in today's world. And with the emphasis on those kinds of hits, I mean, anything that's even borderline is going to get that kind of more often than not, at least. And um, I guess in the NHL, you can practically stick a, put a stick through a guy's head and only get six games. But, I mean, <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's like, I know uh, what you mean. I just think that, you know, I don't, I don't see how he sees that. I mean, in today's game, I, I just think that anything that's borderline, that kind of stuff is going to get called. And that's why, you know, it has to be emphasized with the players, you know, keep your elbows down, you know, why, you know, keep your shoulder down. Don't be leaving your feet. Don't be doing stupid things like that. Cause it's going to get you a major these days. Well, I think another takeaway from this weekend, though, is also uh, the, the the play of our senior players. I mean, we had Letary pick up three goals, uh, Bischoff with an, another big goal, on obviously on Saturday night. Um, Viggs, the, the the leadership is coming through this year, whereas we might not have seen that so much in the in the last few years. Well, they've got some guys who are four year players here with Bischoff and and Kloos and Letary and Camerata. These guys know what the situation is in big-time college hockey, and this year's team has a lot of depth. I can't remember 
you know, maybe even four years ago when they were a number one seed if they had this much scoring depth. They've got six players with double-digit goals, uh, and they don't really have any huge standouts on defense that are flashy, but they're pretty consistent. They definitely are. Um, we've got quite a few Twitter questions uh, since this one's related to this weekend series. Um, Puck Hog would like to know, after last Saturday's game against OSU, is there a rivalry forming with the Buckeyes? What do you think, Cammy? Well, I mean, I was kind of heartened to see some people, especially on GPL, uh, starting to realize that, you know, hey, you know, maybe the Big Ten isn't so bad after all. I think you just kind of needed to give it a little bit of time, give the teams a little bit of a, a footing, get you know, have some improvement among some of the programs, get some familiarity. I mean, I've said all along that it, it's not like, the rivalry with North Dakota was great, right? You know, and year one, or you know, Duluth was great in year one. It takes time to develop that kind of a situation, and uh, you know, I think we're going to see as time goes along in the coming years, and, and especially you know, with um, Notre Dame coming in, I'm sure they'll be competitive, and you know, who knows what's going to happen beyond that. But um, you know, I expect that there's going to be some rivalries, and I think obviously we knew about Wisconsin and. Michigan blows this year, but, you know, I think over the course of time, we've always had a pretty good rivalry with them. And so I feel pretty good about, you know, the where things are headed. And I think that it'll just get stronger as time goes. Viggs, I think games like Saturday night are the kind of games that help get the fans into these type of series and get them into, or games, I should say. Um, when you have uh, major penalties, a lot of scoring, I mean, it, that's what seems to build rivalries. It's not just whole hum play. It's, you know, your guy did this to me, I hate you now, or we have real competitive games. This is the kind of hockey that the, the fans are looking for to to want to cheer for these type of rivalries. Yeah, I think the key components of a rivalry starts on the ice, and you're starting to see that with Ohio State and Penn State, Minnesota. You're seeing these games where there's a history of, of back-and-forth scoring and, and physical hits and suspensions and trash-talking. You know, I think for the rivalry to get to that next level, you need more of that banter back and forth with the fans. And yes. I'm not sure if that's there yet for Ohio State. You know, they, they close off a lot of seats in that arena. It looked like they had a pretty decent atmosphere in there on Saturday night. But I think that fan base needs to build before it can become a true rivalry. Otherwise, it's just going to be something like, you know, CC in Minnesota, whereas there might be something on the ice, but you're not seeing fans from the two schools go back and forth at each other. Well, like you said about the crowd, you know, the crowds weren't bad, but in that gigantic arena, it just doesn't look that great. I mean, uh, tickets sold this past weekend. They had 5,100 Friday night, 6,400 Saturday night. Um, that's pretty good tickets sold in a much smaller arena like Pagula. Uh, those type of arenas are perfect for these kind of schools. Um, it would have been much more difficult place to play if they were playing in a small arena with that many fans in it. Yeah, I think the atmosphere with the size of the building plays a huge part of it. You know, I think if Penn State was in a big, if they were in a, like a basketball arena trying to fill it with students, I think the atmosphere wouldn't be as successful as it is right now. But right now they've got their Hockey Valley fanatics that add a lot to that program and, and provide some juice for that mm-hmm. that team. They definitely do. And obviously you look at Pagula and they're, at their past capacity, they're filling it every night, uh, 102%. So they're selling a lot of standing room. And uh, it, it would be different if they were in a gigantic building. You just wouldn't have that feeling. So, um, Another question we had from Puck Hogg. I'll send this one to you, Hammy. Should college hockey adopt a progressive suspension rule similar to USA Hockey? I think he's kind of referring to, to Healy here that maybe Healy would have had uh, another game if uh, they had more of a pro- progressive uh, type of suspension rule? Well, I'm not exactly. I mean, I really do understand and believe in kind of having that, you know, increased, uh, you know, it's like anything in life, whether you're breaking laws in everyday life or if it's in the sport. I, I just think that there should be some increasing penalties based on your you know, past history and uh, if a guy's running around doing that stuff, and I just think that you gotta, you have to do something about it. You can't find guys, right? So something NHL, you can't just dock them pay or whatever. 
Um, so really the only way that you can really punish in college is to take away playing time. And um, so I totally agree that, you know, there should be some kind of a, a progressive way of handling these kinds of situations. And I, I had some conversations with the Big Ten office um, a couple of years ago in, in Downing had those multiple incidents with the Minnesota Gopher teams. And they do have a progressive policy in place where, you know, they take into account the severity of the action, any injury that comes out of it, um, the manner of the action and the context of the sport and the history of the member involved. And they have that power to, to install, you know, multiple games if they feel like it. I think this hit, you know, it was contact to the head that's letter of the law, but that wasn't a malicious intent. It wasn't like the, the Eddie Wichow hit on Novak a couple of years ago where it was in the open ice, you know, the puck wasn't really there. It wasn't a hit like that. It was it was in part of a hockey play where this hit was made. And I believe that hit, he ended up getting three games to that one, didn't he? Yep, he got three games, plus he got kicked out of the game immediately. Yes. Um, well... Well, I, I don't know. I just, you know, it goes from somebody like those old school guys like Nanny saying, I didn't even think it was a penalty, um, which I completely disagree with, to people who think, you know, maybe it should have been more. So uh, maybe it is somewhere in between that we kind of have to find a happy medium. Um, Vigo, you've been digging and digging recently, trying to find out revenue and expense numbers for the men's hockey team just to kind of see how things have gone since, you know, the transition from the WCHA to the Big Ten. Uh, and recently you kind of ran into a little roadblock. Block, you want to care what to say, what's been going on with that? Well, just one of the issues is how the university reports this data. In years past, men's hockey was called out as a specific column in their presentations to the regents and in their financial disclosure documents. But this most recent year, you know, they incorporated it back into other men's sports for this presentation. And they did that because that's the NCAA standard. Mm-hmm. You know, most schools don't have a hockey program that's revenue generating. And so I had to do a little additional digging with some Freedom of Information Act requests. And I finally got this year's um, data from fifteen sixteen, And it's showing that the Gophers turned a $3 million profit last year. Um, their revenues are about $6 million. And they cut their expenses down to a little over $3 million this last year. So, you know, people are saying lots of things about the program, grounded or not, but this program is still one of the most successful revenue sports for college hockey in the country. In fact, for the most part, they have uh, profited more money than any other school. And, it's, and it hasn't even been close, has it? I mean, those years, no, I think- those years of WCHA, they were clearing – Sometimes four to five million, and the next closest was maybe North Dakota at around two million or just below two million of clearing. So, um, obviously, a lot of those numbers change when they moved to the Big Ten. Uh, their expenses took a big leap, but like you said, it, they kind of got expenses under control this past season. Yeah, it looks like it. I think part of that is a little of the Title IX spending. I know that the the men's program is a little handcuffed because they tend to go through money a little bit faster than the women's program. Um, You can look at specifically in their equipment. You know, the men spend about twice as much on equipment and mainly because they break more sticks. Um, I got some kind (laughs) of interesting comments when I pointed that out to people, but it's just a fact that men's hockey players go through more sticks, Uh, whether it's, you know, the flex that they're utilizing or the, the number of stick checks that happen during a game. You know, we saw Vinny Letary go through, you know, a gross of sticks last year. He broke, what, 15, 16 sticks? Yep, he did. I mean, that's $4,500 right there. <laughs> and it's not like the U gets a discount on these sticks from Bauer and CCM and Easton. You know, they're paying for these sticks. Um, so it's, it's, it's a cost they have to deal with. And, you know, they're a little handcuffed in how much they can spend because of the Title IX issues. Um, it's part of the reasons why we haven't seen new uniforms for the men. Um, it's just a reality for them. But uh, they did have a very good year last year with revenue and expenses. Um, if, if anyone's curious, Vigo just tweeted out that revenue expenses, you know, going back about 10 seasons. Um, just recently, I just retweeted it. So make sure you go check it out. And you could you could clearly see, uh, obviously, those, those WCHA years, their travel expenses were much lower. 
Um, and then they hit the Big Ten, and those travel expenses went up. So obviously, uh, do we know where they cut to try to save money, Vegas? Because obviously, travel expenses, I'm guessing, are fairly similar. One of the ways they responded in my Freedom of Information Act request is they gave me 74 pages of revenues and expense data. So it's not as clear to go through as it is when you see the one-page summary that they present to the regents. (laughs) Wow. That's a lot of data. It's a little trickier to dig into, so I haven't identified where they they cut the expenses yet, but it'll, it'll come out eventually here. Well, that that would be good. I mean, obviously, we, uh, the, they had uh, a lot of uh, revenue that first year of the Big Ten, but they also had a lot of expenses. Um, it, it seems like their revenue is has been fairly flat, except for that first year of uh, of the Big Ten where it kind of jumped up. But do uh, you think there's any concern that that revenue might be down quite significantly for uh, sixteen seventeen, just due to the you know how many tickets they sells have gone down. It's got to be you know, a concern. It's hard, it's hard to tell how the revenue is going to shake out because the way they've done their seating, you know, that North Dakota ticket to a non-season ticket holder was really expensive. It was. And and they are selling over 9,000, usually around 9,800 tickets per game this season. So their sales aren't really down. And I actually think the, well, the stand they, attendance data is going to be better this year. Like you looked at that Penn State crowd um, two weeks ago. It was pretty full. That it was, but the, some of the games before that, the Mary Uchi Classic, they had tickets sold. I think there was one game in December that was under 6000 Well, I, th- I think they're going to make up for that revenue with the North Dakota game because season tickets this year, the base is much lower than it's been historically. So, you know, they're, they're making up for it on single game sales for the North Dakota game. Okay. Hammy, do you got any thoughts on all this revenue and expense stuff? <laughs> no, I don't really don't. I mean, you know, I, I just know that they make good money, you know, for a college hockey team. So it's ultimately that's kind of what you want. And as long as uh, they're not seeing major dips, you know, then I think that uh, the coach is always going to be relatively safe in that regard. He's yes. not going to get the critiques there. So just win, baby. You win, you're going to sell tickets, you're going to keep those revenues up, and uh, things will always be good for Minnesota as long as they do fairly good. As long as they don't have multiple, multiple seasons of losing and their ticket base goes way down, uh, they should uh, always be a moneymaker there. So, Well, before we move on, we need to hear from our sponsor, Vintage Minnesota Hockey. VintageMNHockey.com is a proud sponsor of the GPL podcast. Well, what is Vintage MN Hockey? Well, it's kind of the place to get all of your history of Minnesota hockey, from the pros to the minors to the collegiate teams to even the high school teams. All information about any of those teams can be found on VintageMNHockey.com. They also have great interviews with some historical Minnesota hockey figures like John Mayasich and Lou Nanny, Glenn Sonmore, some of the greats of Minnesota hockey. So make sure you check out those interviews. It's a really great thing. But as like I always say, I think my favorite part is the store. The store, you can buy a custom historical jersey from the Gophers or the Bulldogs or some of your favorite high school teams. And if you do make a purchase, just use the code GPLPODCAST, all one word, and you'll get 10% off your order. So make sure you visit VintageMNHockey.com and follow them on Twitter at VintageMNHockey. Well, we've got a few more Twitter questions um, here for you guys. Let's start with... uh, one from Tim Hapke. He always loves to send us good stuff. Um, did the Gophers not recruit Jake, I want to say Odinger? Not really sure how to pronounce that. Or did they already have Edquist and Halliday committed and got burned by them? Uh, Hammy, uh, I know you're not as close on the, on the goalie commits, but uh, did we not recruit Jake? Well, I mean, I think people need to re- – I mean, I think he's kind of right on. I mean, it's just a matter of a lot – and I've said this before, even with some of the other positions, a lot of it's timing, you know. And if you have guys, you know, slotted ahead already that, and it's just not going to be a good – fit. I mean, you're going to miss some good guys because, you know, you have things that are already slotted. And you're not, obviously there's only so many roster spots, especially for a goalie, um, that you – you know, you kind of have to make some tough decisions. And I think that, 
you're going to see that in some instances with forwards, D and goalies, you know, especially local kids. And uh, we know we've seen plenty of good players go to other programs. And a lot of times it's just because we just don't have the opportunities there. So um, I think he's pretty much dead on on that one. Another one from Tim Hapke. We'll send this one to you, Biggs. Do you see Patoni maybe trying to be a head coach somewhere, either D3 or USHL, and then having Millen be a full-time assistant? I think he's just kind of getting at, uh, do you think Patoni needs to kind of leave for a little bit and uh, see if he can coach on his own? I get the feeling that uh, Grant Patoni is tied to Don Lucia. Mm -hmm. As long as Don Lucia is at the University of Minnesota, Grant will be with him. Uh, if that were to change, you might see Grant Patoni go out on his own and, and be a head coach somewhere. Uh, my article I wrote for Minnesota Hockey Magazine that actually came out today, um, Don Lucia says that Patoni's proved himself as a coach. You know, you don't just get named to these little junior staffs if the head coach doesn't think you're going to be able to contribute. And Phil Housley and Bob Motzko obviously thought well enough of Grant to do that. Uh, so he'll he'll get opportunities somewhere to coach, whether it's USHL or or another Division One program. We'll see. Uh, Corey Millen, uh, harder to say if he, he'd stick around at the University of Minnesota if something were to happen. Uh, this you know coaching uh, student coaching thing is kind of a rare deal that they're able to work out for him. Uh, he was coaching in the uh, North American Hockey League in Cloquet there for a while and got ousted there, kind of late and and Lucia saw an opportunity to keep Millen coaching. Uh, so it's hard to say what he's going to do next. I, I do know that the staff loves having him around and he's been helpful. I think he uh, helped get Leon Bristet going a little bit here this second half, you know, just trying to work his confidence and, uh, and help him figure it out. Another Twitter question relating to a topic that's been kind of leaked out the past few days. Um, Ken Roberts wants to know, Fighting Hawks to the Big Ten. Hammy, um, this has been kind of a little, uh, people have been talking about this, that uh, possibly Minnesota and Wisconsin want North Dakota in the Big Ten. Uh, what do you think? Um, <laughs> well, I, I mean, I, you know, I, I don't, I understand the logic from, you know, a hockey perspective. I mean, obviously they're a good program. I, you know, they're established. Um, so you're not having to just bring in some brand new D one program, like an Arizona state type of situation, for instance. Um, so I mean, I understand that part of it. I don't know that I see the fit in some of the other ways that might be more important from a big picture perspective for the conference. Um, I, you know, I, I wouldn't fault them either way, but um, personally, it people keep trying to force feed the whole North Dakota thing. And for me, it's like it's already a ship that's sailed. I mean, I understand it's still an important uh, team for some fans, you know, but it's also like it's dwindled. I mean, even when we played them earlier this year, as much as it was nice to perform well against somewhere, it just wasn't the same, you know. And so... Um, if it happens, it happens, but uh, it, I, I really don't – I could care less either way. Vigo, what do you think? Well, I think obviously the Big Ten Hockey Conference has to do something at some point. You know, they're not going to stay at seven teams forever. And so they're looking for a good fit for the conference. I think one of the reasons ASU is still an independent is because their arena issue is, is unclear – uh, the travel to Arizona isn't exactly a benefit to some of these other programs, and they look like they're going to struggle for a little while. So they're not as attractive as as you think a Pac-12 school would be. So the Big Ten's got to do something. You know, they made an exception for Notre Dame, and Notre Dame's got a pretty good academic rep reputation, but they don't fit the Big Ten schools either. You know, they're not part of the the AUU. You know, they're not a big research institution. And I'm not sure if there's another hockey school that could fit into the Big Ten that matches those either. So they're going to have to make some decisions. And I don't think there's another benefactor with $60 million laying around that's going to start hockey at Iowa, Iowa State, or Indiana, or Illinois. 
which is something that you'd like to see happen, but I just I just don't see it. So North Dakota fits. You know, it it would definitely help season ticket sales at least for Minnesota and Wisconsin. You know, and that's a big concern. We've we've talked about that a lot this season. You know, there's a couple things you could do. You could change your head coach, and that might generate some energy. Um, you could improve the facilities, or you could get North Dakota back in the conference, and I think that would sell a lot of season tickets. And I think the key there is that there, there's just nothing out there right now. No one is pushing for uh, Division One hockey at the school, not Nebraska, not Illinois, Northwestern, um, which is why they went out and got Notre Dame. Um, so they really, uh, like you said, Hammy, they can't stay at seven. Uh, it's just, it's just not going to work in the long run for with seven teams. So they need to start looking out and looking around for those other teams. Uh, a lot of people will say, Oh, they're not good enough for academics. Well, I think it's getting to the point where they might not be able to pay attention to that. Nobody well, it'll be interesting because if they pluck a good team from another conference, I mean, you have to start to wonder if more dominoes start to, you know, I mean, we. it seems like any time, unless you add a brand new team, it just seems like there's always going to be some kind of a domino effect. If you take a, a team from a conference, in particular, one of the better teams from a conference. So um, it'll be well, interesting. I do think if North Dakota joins Big Ten, Arizona State slides right into the NCHC. Yeah. This is the initial yeah. domino. Because there was, I think, some pressure for some other schools that wanted Arizona added to the conference already. I don't think North Dakota wanted that. But it, it was definitely a, a move that was out there that Arizona State would join that conference. But North Dakota is uh, basically the backbone of that conference financially. Well, I mean, St. Cloud and Duluth have had good financials yeah, the last couple yeah, of years, they, too. They so. have, but you know what? It's it's not those fans showing up in bulk for the frozen face-off or whatever they call it down their target center. It's the North Dakota fans. Well, I think the, the WCHA Final Five was kind of a unique situation for a conference tournament. I think you're going to see all the conferences go back to home sites for that. I just don't think there's the kind of interest, despite what some Penn State fans see as a nationalization of college hockey happening, yeah, just I think you're going to see the opposite. I think you're going to see more campus sites considered. Um, I think you're going to see smaller venues picked for the regionals in April. I think it's going to be more centralized. Well, I don't know. There's a couple other schools out there that they might try to go after if they can't get North Dakota. So uh, we know they're going to go after somebody. It's just a matter of who and when they want to do this. And uh, I, I think it's at least quite a few, what, two or three years down the line before anything happens. And if I saw somebody posting today that I think uh, North Dakota would have a hefty penalty just to leave, over a million-dollar type of penalty to leave the NCHC. So um, we're still a long ways off, folks, if this were to happen. So I got uh, Paul Chatterton in the in the Mixler chat saying, you know, he thinks Illinois and Northwestern need to start up a hockey program, you know, with Chicago being a decent hockey town. But, uh, Paul, there's just no money. They're not going to start it unless they got a nice big donor. And, uh, I mean, do you guys see anything else from these other schools? I mean, without a big donor, these schools just aren't going to do it. Well, it's not just the men's program they have to fund. They're going to have to fund a, a women's program on the other side with their donation. Because schools aren't going to just jump into this. There's going to need to be an endowment for both programs. I mean, without that endowment, Penn State doesn't have a program right now. I mean, obviously, they had a lot of money thrown at them. And I'm guessing, financially, they're probably doing pretty well. But they wouldn't have had that without that large donation. So uh, unless somebody decides to be generous... Um, I just don't see it happening at any of these schools. And like you said, Title IX, maybe they could start up a men's program, but, you know, really, in, in all reality, unless you start up another women's sport, you're going to be starting up a men's and a women's program. So really it's – It's like it, getting started in real estate. If you don't have, you know, a couple billion dollars sitting around from your father, you know, it's kind of <laughs> tough to get involved in that business. You can't just bootstrap yourself up with, you know, $200,000 deals. You need – Need a lot of money to make that stuff happen. 
Well, you're you're when you're right, you're right, Biggs. <laughs> so we'll have to see, people. You know, there's obviously a little rumblings in the last week or so, and uh, it will be interesting to see where it goes. And obviously, uh, it sounds like the landscape in college hockey is still changing, and uh, it's gonna. I'd say in the next five, ten years, it's gonna be a lot more changes. So just hang on tight, folks. And I think you'll you'll hear this discussion drag on for a while, but there won't be any real talk by decision makers at least till July when the the Big Ten Council meets, which Eric Kaler is chairing, mm-hmm. so he can help kind of drive that conversation and message because they are going to have to convince the other schools in the Big Ten that this is a good idea. All right, we need to move on. We've got another big series this weekend, boys, and it's back to Penn State, and obviously. You know, we swept them here a couple weeks ago. Uh, we thought uh, Penn State might have, but we might have put them down for good. Then Penn State goes to Wisconsin and sweeps the Badgers, helping us. But obviously, um, they're kind of back on their game, Hammy. Uh, and then heading to a, a hostile environment. Um, this is not going to be an easy weekend out at Penn State. Sweep. Oh, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> you're, starting just sound, kidding. you're starting to sound like me. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, don't, I mean, we've generally done pretty well against Penn State, uh, so I always feel pretty good about mm-hmm. how we match up with them. I know it's you know not going to be uh, on Mariucci's ice, but uh, nonetheless, I, I I feel pretty good about how we match up. Um, once again, like we talked about a few weeks ago, the you know Penn State throws a lot of pucks at the net, and you kind of have to do a good job with rebound control and clearing pucks and. Um, I do think that, you know, when you're that kind of a team, you do have opportunities to counterattack um, when they are just throwing pucks here, there, and all over the place. Um, it gives you opportunities. So hopefully our transition game will be in high gear and we'll uh, kind of catch them off guard. And uh, But I feel pretty good about the weekend. Um, I think that we'll do pretty well. Are you on mute? Sorry, I did it again. God, every week. I know, at least Once. one time. Uh, Viggs, I got a Twitter question uh, point towards you. Eric Olson wants to know, how does Pagula play to PSU's strengths? How different will PSU be at home at Pagula? Well, I think just the smaller ice surface makes their high-volume game more effective. When you're at Mariucci and you're coming in the zone and you cross the blue line, you're along the wall, and you fire a puck on net, it's almost a turnover. But at Pagula, a little bit smaller surface, they're 10 or 15 feet closer on every shot, and they're 10 or 15 feet closer to the net when the puck's released. You're going to see more traffic in front of the goal. It's going to be harder to box them out, and it's going to be harder to keep them from getting to second chances. So I think Pagula's smaller sheet and the atmosphere created by their packed house will probably drive the Nittany Lions to play better. Um, one of the things last time they, these two teams went at it, um, their big Russian player Smirnov was injured. Uh, Godowski said this week that he's healthy again, so he could be a big impact uh, in the series. He definitely was in the series against Wisconsin, and he did not look like he was at all engaged at Mariucci two weeks ago. No, I barely heard his name at all the entire weekend. Um I think the only thing you heard was Pat Nicoletti being scared that the KGB was going to get after him. Apparently, <laughs> Smirnoff's family is connected. <laughs> oh, Pat, 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 what do you do? But but I think it's a legit thing though. Pagula, obviously, the smaller ice and the atmosphere is going to be completely different than what they experienced this past weekend in Ohio State. Uh, it's going to be hostile. Um, obviously, uh, Penn State is riding pretty high now after uh, going into Madison and sweeping sweeping the Badgers, Hammy. Yeah, I was kind of surprised by that uh, that outcome. I figured, you know, I I didn't think that uh, certainly didn't expect Wisconsin to get swept at home. So uh, that that's a little bit of a surprise. Um, and you know, I, obviously, they weren't really particularly close games, I and mean, you know, so I mean, it's. It, you have to give them credit for that. Uh, they kind of uh, basic. I mean, you know, they they pretty much took it to them for most of those games. So I mean, I just think that that's that's pretty impressive. Wisconsin's obviously been a lot better this year. So um, 
hopefully they got some of that good play out of their system and now we'll catch them maybe feeling a little bit um, happy about themselves. And that's kind of when you can catch a team. So, you know, but I, I really do feel pretty good about this coming weekend. I, I do think we um, match up pretty well with them. Um, and I do hope that uh, the transition game gets going because I think that we'll have opportunities, you know, even if it is a smaller rank, um, I just think that there's opportunities there when you have a team that, tends to just throw pucks around a lot like that. Uh, another Twitter question, John Candels. I'm not sure I pronounced that right. Is a split with Penn State a letdown this weekend? I, I, I don't know, Viggs, but I think a split is a is pretty acceptable result for this coming weekend. Yeah, I think a split for Minnesota puts them in the driver's seat for the conference title. You know, they're they're fourth in a row here. The one thing I'm worried about this weekend is Minnesota's a little banged up after the Ohio State series. There's a lot of guys who were day-to-day as the Gophers took to the ice this week. Uh, They're still not sure which 20 skaters they're going to take with on the trip tomorrow. So that's that's something to be concerned about, I think, from the Gopher standpoint uh, as they look for a split because I think that's the goal going into it. Well, how how is it looking? I mean, we know we had Lindgren go out. We had Pitlick. Uh, wasn't Romanco also having some problems as well? Yep, Lindgren and uh, Pitlick and Johnson all all practiced Johnson today. Okay. Uh, Lucia thought they looked good. Romanco was held out of practice today. I think they're just trying to make sure he's going to be okay going into the weekend. You know, they don't want to bring him with if it's going to make things worse for him. Uh, so it's it's a little little bit of question marks and they blocked a lot of shots on Saturday and mm-hmm. and they joked that they ran out of ice bags. <laughs> so everybody's a little stung from, from that series. And, you know, it's going to be an intense game against Penn state. The, there are going to be a lot of board battles, a lot of fights in front of the net for rebounds and space. So it's going to be a tough weekend. You know, Penn state needs this to get back into it. Uh, you know, they're not a sure thing to get in the NCAA tournament. And that definitely would make things interesting. Penn State comes in and sweeps Minnesota. Uh, they have the potential of being in first place, depending on what Wisconsin does. So uh, um, Penn State's going to bring it all, guys. You know, if they get the sweep, uh, it's going to be hell of a finish uh, You know, with the three teams um, for the end of this to try to get the Big Ten championship here. I mean, obviously Minnesota's going for, for number six. Wisconsin's just trying to get back to be relevant again. And then you've got uh, Penn State, who's never done it before. So uh, we could put, we could get Penn State out of the picture this weekend with a split, or maybe even more than you know, three or four, maybe four or five points. Um, so you know, we're just gonna have to wait and see. But uh, boy, if Penn State sweeps Hammy, it's it's gonna be an interesting finish. Yeah, I mean, uh, it will be. I. I... I still like the Gophers' position. I know where they're at. Obviously, I do too. Complain about being first place, and I think that um, when I'm looking at the schedule, you know, I feel pretty good about where things are heading on the stretch. Um, you know, we've got. You know, I'm not saying that playing at Michigan is going to be easy, but they haven't been good this year. And Michigan State at home, I mean, that should be a sweep. Um, we always seem to play Wisconsin very well at, at home ice, so. Um, I, I really do like the position that they're in. I think if they play, you know, relatively well this weekend, get some good points out of the weekend. I'm not saying they have to sweep, but um, just do enough, well enough to stay um, at or near the top. And um, I think that they'll be in good shape heading down the stretch. Viggs, I think if uh, if Minnesota is in first place at the end of these next couple of weeks, it's pretty much over. I don't I don't see uh, those other schools coming back especially with Minnesota having to pay the, you know, Michigan, Michigan State, obviously not pushovers, but if uh, Minnesota is still in first place after the end of next weekend, uh, it's looking pretty good for number six in a row here. Yeah, their schedule definitely favors a a good finish, getting Wisconsin at home, uh, Michigan State at home, and and a poor Michigan team on the road. So I think if they get a split this weekend, they're in great shape, and I think they'll be in great shape for you know, a one or two seed in the NCAA tournament if they if they split this weekend. That's a, that's a good point. Obviously, they're right on the. They've been jumping back from four and five recently this this past weekend. Uh, right now, they're at number four in the pairwise. Um, I, I I think it's going to be difficult for them to move up, wouldn't it? I think it's impossible for them to jump in the top two. 
Uh, there's a chance they could they could jump into three, mm-hmm. um, but you know they could be anywhere from three to eight, depending on how they finish. I would agree with that. Well, boys, you guys got anything else for this week? No, um, I think Ohio State does have a chance to make a run here. Um, I know think? Eric Raymond was asking us about this, and you know they've got a pretty easy schedule, and they've got great goal scoring. So you can't really count them out of any game where they have any letdowns. I think they're going to be a danger to the end. I didn't see that tweet until just now, so that 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 is a good point. I and mean, obviously, you know, Minnesota split with them on the season, so. I you know I don't know if they're going to be able to get into contention of the of the conference, but but you're right. I mean, if they get a couple quality wins here, uh, they'll put themselves in fairly good shape um, in the pairwise. So yeah, I think if you had to draw up a, a scenario for the Big Ten getting four teams in, last week would have been about perfect. You know, Ohio State splits with Minnesota and and Penn State sweeps Wisconsin. It just brings everybody tighter. But. You know, if, if Wisconsin struggles again, uh, they'll probably drop off pretty quick. Yeah, I was pretty surprised by Wisconsin getting swept, uh, to be honest. I think it, it was partially goaltending mm-hmm. and uh, Smirnoff getting back into form for Penn State. I would agree. All right, boys, I don't think we have anything else, do we? Nope. Yeah, it's a, obviously, it's, it's going to be a key weekend this weekend, guys. Remember, uh, you can always uh, follow Hammy and Vigo on Twitter at evigo and at Hammy Hockey. Um, uh, and then questions. Send us questions any time of the week. We'll get to it. GPL Podcast as your hashtag. We'll try to get to your questions during our podcast. So send them in. We'll be back next week. Thanks for listening. box of chocolates? Mm-hmm. Happy as a clam. You're turning red. You're turning red, Frank. I think that's the first time. Wow. Got to have a little fun, don't we? Yeah. <laughs> Who's first? Uh, Gator mentioned the team needing to uh, sell out in, uh, you know, this time of year. Was it something that clicked in in that second game uh, last weekend? Well, we did a lot of good things on Friday, too. Um, you know, the scores tied going into the third period, and, you know, they made a play, and, and you know, we didn't, and uh, we fought. I would like to see what would have happened had we not taken a penalty after we, we scored the one uh, pulled goalie situation. It seemed like we had a little bit of momentum, but we, we talked to the guys about some, you know, wall battles, some shot blocking, and you could see the difference on Saturday. It's something we had to, sometimes we had to poke our guys about, you know, doing some of those things, <clears throat> excuse me, on a consistent basis, and um, obviously the power play was a big part of what, what happened on Saturday, but to our guys' credit, we, we took advantage of it. Uh, one thing I do like about our power plays, we have two good units. I mean, they each had three goals, and that's kind of, if you look at the numbers on who's on the units, I think they're almost exactly the same number of goals on each group. Um, so it's nice to have that. Uh, and just as last weekend, you know, the guys that we need to score are scoring. I mean, we got six guys up front that do the majority of the scoring, you know, double figures. Uh, our goaltender, I mean, our, our D did a pretty good job last weekend. You know, you look at the numbers, you look at the shot it's against. We only had... You know, 20s one night, and then the low 20s the second night. Uh, tough weekend for Eric. Um, Ohio State's a very good offensive team. They don't need a lot of shots to score. So it wasn't one of those games where, boy, you're seeing a lot of shots from the outside and you get the groove into it. Uh, it was one of those weekends where when they, they didn't get a lot of shots, but when they were able to get one, it was a great A, and, and they made some really nice shots um, on those goals. So. Um, this weekend will be a little bit different for him because it's going to be a volume shooting. Um, he's going to see a lot of shots, and I think probably if you asked a goalie, they'd rather be in a game where you're you're seeing 35, 40 shots and maybe 20, 25 that are, and you mix in you know 10, 12 that are really high quality. It's it's harder to, to feel like you're you're into the game, but we did what we needed to do last weekend, uh, getting a split on the road against a good team and keeping them where they are in the standings, and you know, but now Ohio State has a chance to make some hay with their upcoming schedule and 
you know, we've got a, a, a very difficult four-game segment coming up with at Penn State and back to home with Wisconsin. So it's just having a good week of preparation. I think we've had. Uh, we, we haven't gone that long this week. We're really trying to keep our guys fresh mentally and physically as we get on the plane tomorrow to head to Penn State. Do you know you're going to need more ice bags on Saturday after losing on Friday and kind well, you, of putting that emphasis on shot blocking? Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, like I told Tyler, it hurts so good when you make a block like that <laughs> late in the game. Um, but those are the things that you have to do if you want to win. I mean, it, the games are high, they're highly contested. Uh, there's not much separation. And, you know, who's going to make, you know, one or two plays is ultimately the difference in the game. You know, we, we scored our power play goals and they all got through. You know, and, and uh, you know, our guys at the end there were willing to sacrifice and take a knee and, you know, it, it doesn't feel good. It hurts. I mean, <laughs> the puck is hard. And, I mean, there's times you get hit and you're not getting hit in any equipment, and, uh, but you got to pay a price to win. Is it important for your leading scorer to lead the forwards and block shots as well and take a big one at the end of the yeah, game? Yeah, I think it says something when you're – it can't be just your, you know, the, the, the so-called fourth-line guys that are willing to do it. When your top-end guys are willing to – go down a block a shot it just makes it easier for coach to say hey you know he's doing it you know it's easy for me to watch an NHL player making five million dollars a year and say <laughs> he did it you know there's no reason why you can't do it um, it's a part of the game and uh, you have to have to be willing to, to do it and you know the days of 30 years ago you know people conveniently got out of the shot lane uh, now I mean guys are coached to try to get in the shot lane not necessarily always to take a knee but you know do everything you can to put your body and sometimes it um, it just influences that, that shot that's going to go wide. Another guy who plays that sort of two-way game, both defensively and offensively, Leon Bristed. What do you like about his consistency in his game so far this year? Well, he seems like right now have a lot of jump. Uh, you know, he and Vinny played really well together at the end of last year. You know, they played together a lot this year, but it seems like they're finding their groove together. I think Cammy's done a nice job with that line as well. Um, but Vinny, I mean, uh, Leon, he plays in every situation. So he's one of those six forwards that, you know, he's on the power play, kills penalties, plays four and four. When we're ahead by a goal late, he's on the ice. We're behind by a goal late, he's on the ice. He's integral part, and he's physically he's strong. Uh, he's one of those guys that uh, really watches what he eats and, you know, takes care of his body. And, and you know, he's probably the last guy in the locker room most days because he's, whether it's being in a cold tub or stretching and doing everything he can to have his body ready to play. Tyler acclimated to college hockey so quickly last year. What kind of growth did you want to see in his game this year? Well, he's been fortunate that uh, right from the get-go, he's you know, played with front-end, top-end guys. Um, obviously, playing with Clues helps. Uh, I think the biggest area of growth we want to continue to see is, is the, the, uh, be just as good on the, on the defensive end of the game as the offensive end. Uh, and I think that's an area he has to continue to, to grow. Um, obviously, just have to get quicker and stronger as, as he matures. Um, I'd like to see him you know, develop into a good penalty killer because I think that anybody that's moving on to the next level, I think that's something you want to have in your, your bag of tricks that you know, if you're not going to play in a frontline role, that you can find a way to you know, maybe play in a different type of role at, at the next level. So I think that's important for him to learn to be a, a good penalty killer. And you know, he's kind of been our, an extra penalty killer. Um, obviously, with, with uh, now he'd probably be our, our seventh penalty killer, but we, we, most games he's going to play a little bit, whereas maybe next year he could be one of those top six penalty killers for us. Like he blocked that shot in the last minute. Did you have an immediate reaction? Can you recall what your reaction was? Yeah, I mean, I just, you know, it's, a, it's a way to sell out. You know, I mean, I told him that right after the game. I said, hey, Tyler, it hurts so good. You know, I mean, it, it hurts, but, you know, the reward was helping us win that game, a really important pivotal game. Lingering and Pitlick went down last week, and should they be, could they be? Yeah, it looks, looks good. I mean, they haven't practiced all week, but, uh, they're you know, they're both out there the last couple of days. And Tyler was out today, and, um, you know, we'll evaluate in the morning with our practice. And so we've had a, a little disjointed week from that, that, but nothing that should really, you know, uh, affect us too much on the weekend. So they both look good. You think everybody will be healthy yeah, well, to we'll play? Yeah, well, we got to wait for one after practice tomorrow. Okay. So we, we still have um, see how the guys are tomorrow. we got to wait and see how, you know, one guy skates tomorrow and, and how he does. So uh, hopefully it, it, signs look like we'll be healthy uh, with everybody who want to go on the plane to, to, to Penn State. You know, it's harder this week because we, we have to decide on our 20, on our 20 skaters before we leave and you know we're not at home so it gives us a little bit more flexibility so just again we'll have to wait till after practice tomorrow to see
Is Ohio State play one of the more physical brands of hockey in the Big Ten right now? Well, I mean, it, at times. I mean, obviously, Healy's a very physical player. He's a good player. I mean, I, I thought he was very deserving to be an all-Big Ten player a year ago. You know, obviously, the hit, uh, those are the hits that we want to take out of the game. Um, you know, I, I think most of the time, I don't think a guy's out trying to do something. You know, you just, you know, it's, it's such a... Um, play that happens and, and you're coming in and you know I don't know if you, you try to target or check from behind uh, we're doing everything we can in our game to try to eliminate those types of plays because players can be vulnerable and you know hey, I, I've lived it with one of my own sons with concussions and you know we just don't want to see that happen to anybody and, and uh, it's an emphasis uh, it will continue to be an emphasis and I, I think it's good that we're doing that um, because we want hockey to be a physical game but you know you know, we, we don't want to target the checks from behind or the contact of the head. You mentioned Monday that Penn State line changes can be a little quick. Is that something you're looking for this weekend and maybe going to remind the officials? No, oh, I think that's been done. <laughs> <laughs> you're not wrong. Anything else? Yep. Okay. Thanks. Yep. Obviously a great weekend for your power play at Ohio State. Yeah. What's I clicking? Mean, I mean, I don't know. I think we're just kind of firing all cylinders, and uh, we're getting some chemistry. Um, you know, we've had some injuries and stuff, but uh, finally getting some guys um, adjusted, and, and guys are really finding out where each other, where, where everyone is. And, and uh, yeah, like I said, just building some chemistry. And I think uh, obviously when you get that many chances and uh, uh, you're getting some work on it, um, good things are going to happen. And we were able to go get six goals, so that was good. Both units are really going. Are you guys competitive with each other? I mean, yeah. Like every, everyone wants to wants to be out there, everyone wants to score. But I mean, the bottom line, everyone wants the team to win. So that's the number one thing. So whoever's really going, whoever's scoring, whoever's uh, clicking, we want that unit out there. I mean, even our unit. If the other unit's going, uh, we want them out there. Um, if they're fresh, and yeah, like a lot of it is uh, who's fresh, what lines just got off, and uh, who's ready to go. But for sure, who, who's got the extra jump that game? And um, yeah, like I said, we want the team to win, so both units want, want the best unit out there. Playing Penn State second time in three weeks it'll be. Uh, you know they're going to be bringing a little extra. So what all does the mean uh, weekend mean to you guys? Yeah, I mean, it'll be a, a big challenge for us, a big test. You know, um, We were able to get two wins against them last time we played them. Um, now going into their building, uh, It'll be a little different, you know, dealing with their fans. Uh, they have a lively building, and uh, you know, Big Big Ten's really good this year. Uh, it's a really close conference, uh, standings-wise, and a lot of good competition. So, if we can go in there and get get a couple wins on the road, that'll be huge. Is it good to play high-scoring teams like this right now? You know, yeah. I mean, I, I think it, it tests us defensively, which uh, coming down to the end of the year. Um, Really, defense wins championships. That's the bottom line. Uh, you got to score, but but you really got to defend. Goalie's got to be good. D's got to be good. Uh, forward's got to be good on defense. So uh, playing teams that can score and teams that have some offensive firepower like that really tests us defensively as a team and uh, will only make us better. Coming down the stretch here, how how important is the forward depth you guys you guys have? It is important. I'm, I mean, you see, like with injuries and stuff down the stretch. Um, you know, uh, people be able to play with different people, guys be able to step up into different roles. Um, having depth, having having guys who can do different things is is uh, really big because you don't know what's going to happen. And um, injury-wise, first of all, but also, I mean, if, if guys aren't playing great and then other guys deserve a chance, you know, there, there's a lot of competition, which brings brings the most out of everyone, I think. What have you guys learned in that first series against Penn State about how good you can be on defense and what you need to do against them to, to shut them down? Yeah, I mean, I, I know we have, all the, we all have all the parts and all the tools. Uh, it's just really mostly about having the mindset that we're going to go out there and, and sell out and do everything we can to win. Um, you know, it's about going out and be, being willing to block shots and uh, play team defense and uh, just really putting that before every, everything else. And, you know, it's defense first and then scoring second. And so, yeah, I think it's just going in with that mindset and uh, really, really locking down and uh, making sure that we have our priorities straight. How's the smaller rink going to make a difference in your style of play? Um, it shouldn't too much, you know. We've been practicing this week on the smaller rink, and obviously everything happens a lot quicker. Uh, you get to the net quicker, you know, they're on you quicker, forecheck, um, breakout. Everything's just compact and happens faster, but uh, that can suit us too. You know, we got 
we're fast, so we can get on their D quick. And then once we get the puck back, you know, we're, we're already close to the net ready to make a play. So I think offensively, it can, it can be good for us still. And uh, defensively, you know, getting in shooting lanes will be a little bit easier. Before talked about uh, selling out. Did it take the team a little while to figure out selling out last weekend? You know, I mean, it's hard. You know, you, you, you kind of get trapped in the games like that where it's up and down the ice, you know, offensive, and, and you kind of get that mindset where you feel like it's going to be a 6-5 game. And, um, you know, with, with a team like Ohio State who kind of likes to play that way, um, we kind of got uh, into playing that way a little bit at times. But um, I think, you know, when it came down to it in the, in the second game when we really needed a win, you know, if you look at the last four minutes, last five minutes of the game, um, we had a number of guys go down and block shots, and, and they knew that, you know, we had, we had our track meet, but it was really time to bear down and then sell out for the team. So I think when, when we need to, we will. The Fords only had one shot block on Friday, and they had double digits on Saturday. Was that a big talking point going into Saturday night? Yeah, for sure. Uh, the coaches, you know, they've been stressing it all year. Um, just obviously getting out in lanes and, and being willing to sell out and, uh, you know, pressure in their D. And, um, you know, you don't, you don't want it to get anywhere near the front of the net. So if you can cut it off uh, up at the point, you know, it won't get to the front of the net. There won't be second chances. Uh, goalie won't be overwhelmed. So, yeah, I mean, it's really been an emphasis all year. And, and for sure, after Friday's game, uh, we talked a lot about it. And I think we did a really good job coming out and responding. Your second half has been really good. Um, is this a breakout time for Junior Gates? Uh, you know, I'm hoping. I just am taking it game by game. Um, you know, we really have our, our big team goal and insight for the end of the year. Um, and personally, I'm just trying to do everything I can to help the team, you know, whether it's defensively blocking shots or uh, if I can contribute a couple points here and there. Um, you know, I'm trying not to think too much about my, myself personally, but more about uh, what the team's trying to do here. But it's nice the puck's going in. Oh, for sure. Yeah, it always <laughs> is. Yeah. <laughs> Another big weekend for Sheehy. What is he doing that's, that's bringing him so much success right now? Um, you know, he's working hard. Uh, their line's really clicking. They uh, kind of know where each other are, it seems like. You know, they've been playing together all year. So, um, yeah, I think all three of them are playing really well right now, playing good hockey. And, and uh, he's all, also got a lot of skill. So uh, when he gets the puck and they get him the puck, he'll, he'll put him in that. All good? Penn State goes into Wisconsin last week and it kind of explodes. They had a quiet weekend against you guys a few weekends ago. Was that kind of surprising to see, or not really surprising to see Penn State have a, such a good weekend against Wisconsin after kind of a, a down performance against you guys a few weeks ago? Um, yeah, like you said, it's not very surprising. I think, uh, you know, there's going to be weekends where you can't, you know, get four goals a game or whatever they've been scoring. Um, they kind of did that against us where they, they couldn't uh, put the numbers up that they usually were uh, throughout the entire year. but. Like you said, they went to Wisconsin and they were kind of back to their mold selves and uh, they were able to put up pretty good numbers both nights. So um, that's kind of something we have to expect uh, this weekend. What did you guys do so effectively in your last series against Penn State? Um, I think a uh, big key of emphasis was getting back there. Uh, they had a pretty active D and um, really we had to play really strong defensively. They, they like to get a lot of shots on goal. I think uh, they're still leading the country maybe and um, they score a ton of goals as well. So. Um, they're a team that's, that's resilient with uh, getting pucks to the net, and so um, defense is going to be really key for us. I could imagine that they would be pumped up having lost you guys just two weeks ago. What, what mental attitude do you bring in from having beaten them two weeks ago? Yeah, we've got to bring that same attitude, I think, that we brought um, two weeks ago because you know, they're going to they're gonna be, like you said, pumped up about playing us at home, and um, we gotta, we got to match their intensity right away. They're going to come out uh, right, from the, right from the start there with a lot of... Um, a lot of firepower, and um, it's definitely probably in the back of their head that uh, when they came here a couple weeks ago, we kind of took it to them a little bit. So uh, we got to match that right away. Last week against Ohio State, you guys were down multi goals on both nights, but you came back. And I know on Friday you weren't able to pull it off, but it seems like there just isn't any quit in your guys' team. When once you guys have adversity in your face, it seems like you guys play really well, really play really good hockey when when uh, damage control is kind of on. Yeah, I think that's uh, something that's really special about our group is our re resiliency. Um, I think that's kind of been. Uh, something we've been able to do the entire year when um, you know when we're with we're playing with the lead we've been able to keep that and then um, also when we're down by a couple we haven't really given up uh, anything at all uh, you know within within one another so um, you know if we can keep playing with uh, with resiliency uh, for 60 minutes each night there uh, should be no problem can your you line continues to click well also what is it about the three of you guys that, that complements each other so well yeah, I think uh, we've been playing together for most of the year now, and so I think just uh, as time goes on, you kind of you know figure out each other's tendency, tendencies, and um, you know 
Graham obviously is is a great player. He can put up um, great numbers and make a ton of plays. And uh, Justin's obviously proved that through his four years here. So um, both of them are very fast and um, are able to make plays. And um, they can really they can do everything out there. So playing with those two guys really makes it easy. And um, hopefully going forward we can continue to click. American Sports Network has a weekly college hockey show. They called you one of the best lines in college oh. hockey. Do you consider yourself in that light? Um, well, I hope so. I don't know. I guess that's my first time hearing that. But, um, yeah, I, I, I really hope that's, uh, that's something that we can um, live up to. I guess it's, that's, that's awesome. And can you take us through your last shift and the block? What, oh. what was going through your head? Yeah. Uh, I saw the puck move over to uh, their, their, uh, the guy at the point there, and I saw him winding up, so I knew I had to get down and kind of eat that one. But, uh, yeah, that was a stinger. <laughs> Still hurt? A little bit, but it'll be all right. If you're going to play hockey, you got to be tough. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Ford's only had one block on Friday and then double digits on Saturday. Yeah. You guys kind of took that emphasis knowing you wanted to get a win out of there. Absolutely, yeah. I think, uh, you know, anytime you have one block, you're not giving your, your goalie a, a good chance to, you know, um, you're not giving your goalie a good chance at all if you're, if you're not selling out for him. So um, going into Saturday night and um, knowing we kind of only we didn't we didn't do enough for him up front, um, we knew we kind of had to change that. So um, it was definitely a, an emphasis to make sure we're getting down and eating pucks as much as we could. You said defensive power is going to be important for this weekend. So is the style of the defensive play going to change with the size of the ring because it's a lot smaller than? Uh, no, I don't think it, you know. I think we're just going to play our team defense way kind of we've been doing it the entire year, and I think. We just have to understand that it is a smaller rink, so um, you know any shots dangerous when when they're shooting you know 50 shots on goal each night. So um, you know I think just playing our team defense and understanding the amount of shots that they're going to be trying to get on net, uh, we have to box out up front, and um, you know we got to continue to keep uh, blocking shots as well.